Welcome to Victory Christian Center's audio podcast. We hope this message encourages you, and we look forward to connecting with you on social media or FCCFMD.com. If she would bring the word this morning and continue the series, so would you make her feel welcome as she comes this morning? Amen. God is awesome. Is he not? Yeah. He is awesome. And I don't know if I'm going to have my PowerPoint work today. We'll find out. God is awesome. Building blocks. Building blocks of our faith. Boy, I sound like I'm really loud, John. Um, Building blocks of our faith. Who remembers what we've been studying? What those building blocks are? Where do we get them from? We're an Assembly of God Church. Where do we get these from? Who knows? Our what? Yes, our 16 fundamental truths, we call them, our fundamentals of faith. This is where we get these building blocks. It's what we, how we do church. It's how we interpret the Holy Scripture, these building blocks. And so I'm super excited to be um, sharing with you today and going forward with this. Now I've got my computer working yet. Going forward in this series, there's a lot more to come, but I'm super also excited because the Holy Spirit is the topic today. He was the topic yesterday, and he is, or last week, <laughs> he's the topic every day in my life, but last week he was the topic, the gift of the Holy Spirit, and this week we're going to see a little bit more about how the Holy Spirit works in the lives of believers. He's at work all around us all the time. But we as children of God have the privilege of actually joining and partnering with him and experiencing his work in our lives and seeing him use us and work not only in us but through us for his kingdom purpose and making an impact all around us. So before we get into the the Holy Spirit and the part of uh, his ministry that we're going to talk about today, let's review the building blocks of faith. How many do you remember? I don't have the Lego blocks like Pastor Asher does. I'm just going to ask you to call out when you can fill in the blank for these 16 fundamental truths, the seven that we have. What is the first one? The what is inspired? Who knows? The word or the scripture, yes, is inspired. And what about number two? The blank, true blank. The one true God, the one true God, the whole gospel is about the one true God and his relationship with his creation, which includes you and me, the one true God. And number three, the what? The deity of our Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel of John that I've shared with you earlier this year, I've been just focusing on that particular gospel this year. It's all about the deity of Jesus Christ, defending his deity. The whole thing is about it. And number four, what is number four? The blank of blank. (laughs) The fall of man, yeah. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The fall of man, all have sinned. It began back in the garden. The fall of man. Oh, wait a minute. What's number four? Yes. What's number five? Hey, thank the Lord. We not only have the fall, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but we have the salvation of man, the gift of Jesus Christ. God to love the world, he gave his one and only son, so that whoever believes in him will not suffer eternal separation from him, 
but we will have instead eternal life with him. That's right. The salvation of man. And who remembers number six? The what? The ordinance of what? Of the church. The ordinances. We have two ordinances. Do you remember? Okay, this is really digging deep. Water baptism and? And communion, that's right. We celebrate those two ordinances because Jesus himself modeled water baptism. He himself was baptized by John the Baptist in the River Jordan, and his ministry began after that water baptism. So he was in obedience with God's word and God's direction for life. And then communion, he established Holy Communion on his last supper with his disciples, where he said, take and eat this bread, which represents his broken body, his sacrifice, and drink this wine or juice that represents his blood that cleanses us and gives us a whole new heart, makes us a whole new person. The ordinances of the church. And then last week, the what of the Holy Spirit? The baptism in the Holy Spirit. That's right. Now we have, as Pentecostals, we must not get all caught up in the emotional aspects of this baptism of the Holy Spirit. We must not get so caught up in the feelings that we let our feelings dictate our relationship with our Lord. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is a gift to us, and he has a purpose, and we saw that last week. Uh, who remembers the memory verse last week? It was in Acts chapter 1. Yes, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And this is the King James Version, so it, it might sound a little bit unusual. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost is come upon you. That is what Acts 1.8 says. Today we're going to expand beyond Acts 1.8. And or that's just the beginning of it. We're going to go into what comes after that. But you shall receive power after that. The Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. This baptism of the Holy Spirit is there for a reason. It's a gift that he's been given to us for a reason. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is one of the 16 fundamentals of truth. We believe the Holy Spirit is active and alive today and he is working in God's children. And it's also one of the four core doctrines. So why do we get so hung up on this baptism of the Holy Spirit that it's a core doctrine out of those 16? It's one of four. Because guess what? Satan would like nothing better than for us Christians to walk around losers. He would like nothing better than for us to walk around feeling defeated and forget God's promises that Jesus said, I will be with you always, that Jesus said he would never leave us nor forsake us, and that he would send the Comforter, that he would send the Holy Spirit to empower us so that we can have assurance of our salvation and assurance of where we are going to go when this body draws its last breath or when Jesus returns in the clouds. We have an assurance because the Holy Spirit seals us for that day of redemption. Remember what happened in the Gospel of John. Jesus tells his followers something in John chapter 14, verse 16. I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper 
so that he may be with you forever. See, Satan wants us to forget that the Holy Spirit is alive and active. He wants us to believe his lies that are counter to the truth of God's word. He wants us to think that God is just interested in um, the whole world. He's just interested in love and peace and that he doesn't care about the nitty-gritty in our lives and that he doesn't care about helping us through a situation where we get ourselves in a bind. Satan wants us to believe nothing else but that, that God's just a judge. He is holy and righteous, and he is the only one true judge. But he loves us enough that his grace is greater than all of our sin. The Holy Spirit is our helper, and Jesus promised him to be coming to us after he suffered on the cross, was dead and buried for three days, and because there was no sin in him, because he was the ultimate perfect sacrifice for our sin, his father raised him to his right hand. He defeated Satan once and for all, and the Holy Spirit is here to help us to remember the promises of God are sure and they are true. In Acts chapter 2, 39, we see this promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call himself. This Holy Spirit was not just for the birth of the church. That is what some are taught, and that's a lie from the pit of hell, that the Holy Spirit was only sent temporarily to get this church started. But the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. That means our generation, too. We have the promise of the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians, we, talk, we see what Paul teaches about the Holy Spirit. For just as the body is one and yet has many parts, and all the parts of the body, though there are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. You are but one member of the body of Jesus Christ. This congregation is but one member, jointly, of the bigger universal church of Jesus Christ. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. My gift is given for the good of you. Your gift from the Holy Spirit is for my benefit and for your neighbor's benefit. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually, just as he wills. Now, I'm going to be real honest with you. <laughs> when I was younger, my husband can attest to this, and my, my oldest daughter especially can attest to this. <laughs> they had to endure a season in my life where I wanted the gift that a friend of mine had. And so I did everything I could to really be used in the church in her area of gifting. And I worked with her, and I was up front, and I was leading worship, and I was singing. And let me just tell you that thank you for the grace of God, and thank you to the congregation members who were very gracious. <laughs> I don't have that gift. That gift of singing, that musical ability, is not in me. And it took another dear friend recording us singing together and playing it back and her saying, now what do you hear? <laughs> For me to realize I was envious of my friend's gift. She was a worshiper. I'm a worshiper at heart, but I'm not a worship leader. 
And I know that, but it took a friend being honest with me to say, yeah, you don't all have the same gift. You've got a different gift. You can speak, but you don't, you don't sing too good. Let's keep that between you and the Lord. And, and I have another friend work with me too on that. But, but that's sometimes we see these gifts that are up front. We see the speakers, the teachers, the prophets, the apostles, all those that are in leadership in the front. And we get envious and we want their gift. But guess what? John's gift of helps is so vitally important to the functioning of the church. Because if we didn't have people who had that gift of helps, where would all the helpers be? There would be too many chiefs and not enough Indians doing the work of the ministry. We all need to flow in our gifting that is given to us individually by the Holy Spirit for the good of his church. Remember uh, last week Pastor Ashley gave us three words that the purpose is one of them. The Holy Spirit baptism was the promise of power to equip us for the purpose of producing fruit. That purpose of producing fruit is what I want to talk to us about today as we talk about the next fundamental truth or the next building block. Because remember, the last half of Acts 1-8 says, You shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, that's home, and in Judea, that's your community, and in Samaria, that's maybe your state or your nation, and then to the uttermost parts, the entire globe. I'm so thankful that this congregation has supported me as I've gone to the uttermost and as I continue to look for the doors that are open, that the Lord opens for me to minister the gospel across the sea, we are joining together to minister the gospel, to be about his purpose. We're not all called to go, but we are all called to this mission. We all have a responsibility to this mission of God. So let's look at this eighth fundamental truth, which is the initial physical evidence of Holy Spirit baptism. So initial, I decided I need to look these words up and make sure, because to me that's, that sounds kind of confusing. Anybody else think that's like, okay, well, what does that mean? Well, I know I did for a long time, and I still do, and I've got my credentials with the Assemblies of God, okay? But I still had to look them up to make sure I wasn't reading something that's just been taught to me, that it really is scriptural. So initial means it's an adjective, and it means it's occurring at the beginning. And I really like what one dictionary said, it's embryonic. The very beginning, the birth, embryonic. And then physical, again, is an adjective that's relating to the body as opposed to the mind. So the embryonic, or the commencing, the beginning, physical, body um, aspect of the Holy Spirit baptism pertains to things that are perceived through our physical senses, smell, touch, hear, sound, the tongues of other unknown languages, things that are tangible or concrete. So that's what initial physical and then evidence. This is the available body of facts, the evidence. It's information that indicates whether a belief is sound, if it's true, or maybe it's not valid. That's what evidence is. It's the, the evidence that this belief is true. The Holy Spirit is real and alive and active today. This initial physical evidence reminds me of Jesus' first miracle. It's the sign that he is active. It is the sign that we are given that he has baptized us with his spirit. The way that we write this fundamental truth out in our Assembly of God um, 
position papers and in our doctrine. It says, the baptism of believers in the Holy Spirit is witnessed by the initial physical sign of speaking with other tongues as the Spirit of God gives them utterance. Now, we don't just pull this out of our hat. We don't just base this on some emotional experience that happened. We base this on Scripture. It's believed there are several first-hand records of spirit baptism when the Holy Spirit baptized individuals. Acts 2.4, everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. That is your memory verse for this week. I don't have it in the bulletin, but if you can write it down, it's simple. It's a statement that is, is fact of what happened on the day of Pentecost. And everyone present, not just a few, not just those apostles, everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. This is the first sign of the Holy Spirit, his presence in the followers of Jesus. And then in Acts chapter 10, as Peter is preaching in the house of a Gentile, Cornelius, this man had been seeking the one true God. Peter's preaching and sharing about Jesus. And in Acts 10, 44 and 46, we see that even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. Again, get that word all. It's not just a select few. For they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. The first thing that the Holy Spirit does is witness about Jesus and he praises God. Another incident later on as Peter, I'm sorry, going on now to Paul. <laughs> when Paul was speaking to the leaders of the church in Ephesus, when Paul laid his hands on them in Acts 19.6, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke in other tongues and they prophesied. So not only does the baptism of the Holy Spirit praise the Father, praise God, he prophesies when he fills us as he determines. And finally, so those are the scriptural testimonies, the testaments of the Holy Spirit's baptism, initial evidence, the first sign that a person is baptized in the Holy Spirit is that speaking in an unknown language. But no one can take a testimony away from you. No one can refute your experience with God and your spirit experience with the Holy Spirit. My testimony, I want to just share it briefly with you of how I was filled with the Holy Spirit when I was baptized. I think I was about 11 years old. I had accepted the Lord Jesus when I was 8. And my parents, between 8 and 11, began to have trouble in their marriage. But my dad always went to church. He was determined to pray that God was going to heal and restore the marriage. Well, how many of you know that it only takes one person to take a marriage apart, but it takes two to keep it together? Could actually takes three, because I think the Lord needs to be involved too. <laughs> but their marriage did end up falling apart. They got divorced, and my dad still took us to church on Sunday nights. And I would sit in the pew and hear all of what I thought was chaos, the noise, the chatter, these people shouting or, or dancing or laughing or, or some, I remember somebody sounding like they were clucking like a chicken. It was just noise to me. But... It, it was noise to my ears, but I was touched in my heart, and I just wanted to have whatever these people were having. I wanted 
that connection to God. And so we went home one Sunday after service, and I told my dad about how I wanted to have that Holy Spirit in me. And he said, well, here's what you do. You just ask him to fill you with his Holy Spirit, and just believe he will fill you, and thank him for it. So just start thanking him for it. So that's what I did. At 11 years old in our living room, me and my brother and sister and two of my aunts that are my age, they're, they're younger, um, we're all lined up along the living room, and we asked the Holy Spirit to fill us. And I was so filled with the Holy Spirit that I, um, I went down on my knees and, and was just worshiping the Lord. I was just praising God. And the next thing I knew, my dad was on the phone, and he was bending down because I was kneeled down on the floor. And he had the phone, and he was saying, listen to her, Pastor, listen to her. <laughs> he was letting the pastor of the church know that his daughter had been baptized in the Holy Spirit. It was an amazing experience that no one can take away from me. I know what I experienced. Your testimony speaks to the truth of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and how that first sign, how you know you're sealed with that Holy Spirit baptism is by um, speaking in an unknown language, language that I had not learned. So years go by, and I ended up, as my parents went through divorce, I didn't walk away from the Lord intentionally, but that's what I did. I made choices as a teenager that took me away from walking with the Lord. And when I was about 15, again, I was um, invited to an Assembly of God church. And so I started going to this church youth group meetings and, and attending some of the services and there came a point where I rededicated my heart to the Lord, and I made a new commitment to, to walk right with Him. But I still, I didn't have that experience anymore. I didn't have that language of communication uh, that was unknown to me, but known to God. And so I had to really persevere and pray and ask the Lord to once again fill me with His Holy Spirit and that prayer language that He had given me that I didn't, I didn't know where it came from. I just knew it was God, and I knew it was Him, and so it, it helped me to know that God is real, God is true. And all those years that went by, that I um, had other people telling me that God wasn't real, that it was He was just a crutch that people use, but I knew He was real. I had to really persevere, and it took many nights of coming to the altar and praying and crying and asking God to please be that intimate with me again, to fill me with his Holy Spirit again. And eventually, he did. And I have this prayer language that has changed, and he prays through me and for me in ways that I could never possibly know how to pray. But the Holy Spirit is God, so he knows God's will for our lives. He knows how to pray for exactly what we need. See, I believe that um, in the Gospel of John, Jesus, after he's been resurrected and he's walking, and he's walking for 40 days among his disciples and he talks to them, he breathes on them in John chapter 20 and he tells them to receive the Holy Spirit. That is when they were sealed for the day of redemption. They received the Holy Spirit. But, but they didn't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit until the day of Pentecost. It's the same Spirit, but there's two different functions. There's that sealing for the day of redemption. There's the Holy Spirit dwelling in us as newborn believers. 
And then there's this baptism gift that he gives us. It's a separate function. Paul writes to the church in Ephesians, chapter 1, verse 13. In him, Jesus, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. You see, some people stop there. Some people believe in Jesus, they accept him as their true Messiah, their one true God, but they stop there and they believe the lie that they don't need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, this baptism promise that we have to walk a bold and abundantly joyful life. Jesus came so that we can have a, a life of abundant joy and that we can walk in his power and his authority. There's an additional gift that he wants to give to us beyond salvation. This gift of the Holy Spirit baptism. He's promised to us. He is our seal and he is our promise. Remember in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, the purpose of this Holy Spirit baptism, the first sign so that we know this spoken language that we didn't make up, that we don't know on our own, is the evidence, the sign that the Holy Spirit has filled us and baptized us. But it's also for the witness of Jesus. In verse chapter 2, verse 6 of Acts, when they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. When they, when they heard the loud noise, oh sorry, then everyone, I'm sorry, I think I missed a slide here. When they heard the loud noise, they heard them speaking in their own languages, they heard them speaking praises of God. And they were people from all around. Their language was not Hebrew. Their language was not, um, I guess the Romans spoke Italian, maybe. <laughs> I don't know what they spoke back then, Arabic, Arabic. They had all these different languages. They were from Egypt. They were from Greece. And they spoke their own native languages. And yet they heard the praises of God. And as a result of them hearing the praises of God, they questioned what were these people doing? The Holy Spirit was witnessing the authority and the power of Jesus, the Messiah. Later on in the Gospel of John, we see again where the Holy Spirit witnesses to who Jesus is. John, testi John testified in John chapter 1, verse 32, that he saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven, resting on him. He's talking about Jesus. He said, I didn't know he was the one, but when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me the one on whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I saw this happen to Jesus, so I testify that he is the chosen one of God. The Holy Spirit's mission is not only to give us that seal, the sign, to show us that we know without a doubt that we are children of God, that we will spend forever with him, he is a witness of who Jesus is. It is for the witness of Jesus. And the purpose of that witness for Jesus 
is for your salvation, for the salvation of all of humanity, for all to come to know him, who he is. We have to remember that this Holy Spirit baptism, with the initial physical evidence of speaking in an unlearned language, one I didn't study in books or in school, is for the purpose of witnessing Jesus' deity. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through him. He is God. For the purpose of inviting your family, your neighbors, your co-workers, your classmates in school, for the kingdom of God, he wants to have every human being with him. But we have a choice whether or not we will believe his gift is real, whether or not we will even believe he is real. What does speaking in tongues and other languages have to do with this purpose of the Holy Spirit who is sealing us for the day of salvation, who's witnessing to Jesus' deity that he is the Messiah, the one true God? What does the, the baptism have to do with it, that's speaking in other languages? Look at what Romans 8.26 tells us. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in God's Word. That initial baptism in the Holy Spirit, where we receive a language we did not learn, it is our prayer language, and the Holy Spirit prays for us and through us. How many times have you had a burden to pray for someone and you didn't know that they were going through a struggle at that time? Just this week, I had a burden to contact someone and just make sure that she knew I was thinking about her. And of course, if I'm thinking about you, I'm praying for you too. And she said, exactly when she got my text, her car broke down in the middle of the beltway. And she knew that God knew where she was. Didn't change the stress of the situation, but she knew. She told me what was happening, and I prayed specifically for that, and God took care of her. The Holy Spirit wants to pray through you, not only for yourself. Remember, your gifts from the Holy Spirit are for the good of the body, the whole body of Christ. Not just this local body, the whole body of Christ. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. When you're too tired to get up and pray, he helps you be motivated. <laughs> when you're too worn out to pray, the Father knows exactly what needs to be prayed. He knows our hearts, and He knows what the Holy Spirit is saying. When it's those groanings, you just can't even express it. Have you ever been so hurt? I'll never forget the time I got a phone call when I was on vacation <laughs> that something had happened um, with my grandfather. It felt like somebody just punched me in the stomach. It hurt so bad. And I didn't know how to pray or what to pray. The Holy Spirit knows. He understands what God's will is. The Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. God has a plan and a purpose, and the Holy Spirit is to help bring it about. He prays God's will.
baptized, he still with the Holy Spirit, and he said to them, rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. The Holy Spirit, when we are filled with his presence, when we are filled with his spirit, and our will collides with his spirit, he will speak to us and through us, and he will preach God's gospel as he did with Peter so many times, but on this one occasion in particular where he was filled with the Holy Spirit and just told the truth very simply and very plainly. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. And the result of him speaking with the Holy Spirit inspired him to speak as he was filled with the Spirit. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the Scriptures, and they recognized them. This is the part that I always pray that people will recognize about me. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. When you're overflowing with the Spirit of God, People recognize that you have been with Jesus. He empowers us to preach his word, his way. You don't have to be afraid to be a witness to your neighbor because the Holy Spirit will just speak through you. He will give you the words that you need that you may not even know will speak to that person's heart because he knows their heart. But we don't know our own heart, let alone our neighbor's heart. In Acts chapter 4, again, preaching God's gospel. And now, O Lord, hear their hearts and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After this prayer, this is the disciples' prayer. After this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. When I was younger, I used to get the cart before the horse a lot. I would hear God saying, oh, do this and do that, and, and um, I would jump on the bandwagon, and then I would go before spending time with the Lord, before spending time in prayer, before allowing him to empower me with his spirit. I would go and try to do things. And it would be a disaster. I taught kids for years, and I can always tell when I hadn't prepared my heart in the presence of the Lord, because it would be a disaster of a day with those kids. But the times that I spent in prayer, less time uh, reading a lesson book and more time just praying and seeking my Lord, those days were amazing how God worked in me and through me for those kids and for myself, too. I used to pray a lot for boldness because I knew the Lord wanted me to be a witness. I knew every one of us as Jesus followers are told to go into all the world and make disciples, to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to teach them to obey all that Jesus commands. We all have that. It's not just for pastors and missionaries that have that 
calling on their life. We all have that mission of God given to us through Jesus. So I asked for boldness a lot when I was younger. And I can say God heard my prayer just as he heard the disciples' prayer. After the prayer, that place shook. I can't say that the ground shook where I was praying, but I was definitely filled with his spirit. My heart was shook. I was filled to overflowing. And I preached the word of God with boldness. That's for every one of us. That's not a gift just for preachers and pastors or evangelists or teachers. That is for every one of his followers. There are many other signs of the Holy Spirit's presence in a person's life. Lots of, lots of signs. The gifts of the Spirit that we all can have. The gift of, of helps, as I mentioned earlier. Gifts that are undeniable. But the undeniable initial sign that a person has been baptized with the Holy Spirit is when we speak in this unknown language. John chapter 14 and verse 25, Jesus says, I'm telling you these things now while I'm still with you. But when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. I am leaving you with the gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift that the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. See, when we receive that baptism of the Holy Spirit, when we accept that gift in our life today, we are empowered to live our life God's way. We're empowered beyond just saying, well, I'm a Jesus follower, but I don't know how to have victory over this addiction, or I don't know how to have victory over this broken relationship. We can have victory because Jesus gives us victory. And he gives us peace in the middle of those struggles. It's not that we will never have a struggle in our life. The Holy Spirit gives us his peace. He is our assurance. Remember, he seals us. And that undeniable baptism reminds us, that undeniable sign reminds us that we've given control of one of the most difficult parts of our body to control. If you remember, James, the brother of Jesus, wrote about this tongue of ours and how it's the most untamable part of our body. I really think that that is an important aspect to why speaking in an unknown language is a sign, the first sign that we receive that baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because we're giving control of what we say to God. And that is the tongue that is untamable. Look at what James chapter 3 tells us. We all make mistakes. Amen to that, right? For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have, made, who have been made in the image of God. How many of us have been guilty of coming to church on a Sunday morning and praising the Lord and singing praise songs and worshiping Him and then leaving and going to work on Monday and cursing the guy that cuts us off in traffic? We praise the Lord with our tongue and the same tongue is used to curse another human being for whatever reason. 
You see, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and this initial sign, this physical evidence of speaking in an unknown language, is a submission of our will. We're submitting our will. We're surrendering control of that little rudder that can speak life or it can speak death. And when we are baptized and speaking in our own prayer language, we can lean on him and not on our own understanding. We can live God's way. Look at what Matthew 15 tells us in verse 11. It's not what goes into our mouth that defiles you. It's you are defiled by the words that come out of your mouth. But the words you speak come from your heart. That's what defiles you. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. With our mouth, we confess Jesus as Lord. And with the same mouth, we deny him, we curse a person. This initial physical evidence is just a sign that we have given control to Jesus. That our heart is now controlled by him. We're not basing our life on the human way of, of following different religions or just being self-motivated or self-made or looking for the, the comforts of this world and not looking beyond our own comfort. Living God's way, loving God first, and as he said, loving our neighbor as we love ourselves, loving others. Out of our heart is what our tongue speaks. So what is your tongue speaking? This initial physical evidence is just the first sign that our heart has been reborn. It's just like the water baptism is an outward sign. It's an ordinance that we comply with of totally immersing in the water as we believe Jesus was immersed in the water in the River Jordan and coming up and the Holy Spirit then landed on him. And the Father said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. As he's immersed in the water in that first sign, that physical outward sign, this initial physical evidence of the spirit baptism, the Holy Spirit abiding in us, is an inner sign. It's inside of us. And no one can take that away from you. When you have asked him to give you that gift and you seek that gift, and he blesses you with it. The first sign of our faith journey, the first sign of a reborn heart, that's a physical sign. It's this initial physical evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So he seals us for the day of redemption. He witnesses who Jesus is. And he empowers us to pray God's will in our own life and for others. He empowers us to preach the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And he empowers us to live a life that is in God's design, the purpose of God. So what do you say about this Jesus today? What do you say about him? Do you believe that he is who he claims to be, the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man comes to the Father, no woman comes to the Father, no child, no senior, no one comes to the Father except through him, through acknowledging him, Accepting him. If you have 
thoughts about that, if you have questions about that, if you're not sure that you really believe that, guess what? Jesus is big enough to understand your questions. He says, seek me and you will find me. When you seek me with all your heart, keep looking for him. Keep looking in the Gospel of John and you will have no doubt by the time you read the whole Gospel of John who Jesus is. Understand that he is who he claims to be. And that he has more good deeds planned for you in your life than you could ever imagine. Today is the day of salvation. He is constantly calling and saying, come follow me. Come follow me. So if you're questioning, he's calling you. And I encourage you to accept him. Let him know. Yep. I've heard about you, Jesus. Now I'm going to know you personally and accept him. It's a simple prayer, and I'm going to pray this. For those of you online, you can pray this now, or you can pray this later. It does not matter. And those here in the building, you can pray it now, you can pray it later, but I encourage you, today is the day of salvation. Jesus, we acknowledge that you are the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man comes to the Father except through you. Jesus, we accept that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, that we've been broken in our relationship with our Creator, and that you, Jesus, paid the price, you sacrificed your life, and made a way that we can be reconciled with him. We thank you for that, Jesus. We ask you to come into our hearts and give us that gift of the Holy Spirit baptism today, we ask you, Jesus, to empower us to live a life that is according to your word, that we can experience the journey that you have planned and prepared for us, that life of abundant joy, that life of peace that passes all understanding, even in the middle of hard times. Jesus, we thank you for that. We thank you that you are our Savior and our Lord. Lord, we look forward to celebrating this day with you in eternity. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. And if you prayed that for the first time today, I encourage you to contact Pastor Ashley. Contact us here at Victory Christian Center because we want to help you on that journey. Satan wants nothing more than for human beings to enter hell with him in eternity. He doesn't want anyone to worship the one true God. He wants to be worshipped. So maybe you know this Jesus. You've already accepted him. And you've said, I want to walk according to God's way. I want to live according to God's way. But you haven't made the step of asking him. You haven't sought that gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. His gift is for all generations. He said the Holy Spirit was coming for you and for your, your children and all generations, even for, I can't remember the exact words, <laughs> even our generation. Anyone and everyone who has accepted Jesus as the Messiah. If you have not received that gift of the baptism, don't give up seeking him. Because the Apostle Paul tells us that he's, his gift, even though it's not the only gift, even though it's not to be elevated higher than any other gift of the Holy Spirit, that gift is one we should all seek after. Because with that gift... We receive power to pray. With that gift, we receive power to live 
according to God's way. With that gift, we receive the power to preach his gospel. And sometimes it's just a matter of being a light that shines in a dark place in your office, bringing hope to your coworker, saying a simple prayer with somebody who's having a sick day. That's preaching the gospel in a manner, day by day, that the Holy Spirit empowers us to do. Maybe you've received that prayer language, but you have not been practicing your prayer language. You prayed and asked for that Holy Spirit baptism, and you know, like I did as a child, you know that was a God moment, that your physical body and the Holy Spirit intertwined, and the Holy Spirit prayed through you in unknown language, but you haven't practiced that prayer. And maybe you want to spend some time practicing this week, seeking Him. I know when I walked away from the Lord, intentional or unintentional, there are consequences. I broke the intimate relationship that we had as a teenager. And I had to really persevere. I had to seek Him and seek Him with all of my heart to receive that Holy Spirit baptism and that prayer language to make it active in my life again. But He loves us enough his grace is greater than all of our sin. And he wants us to be intimately involved with him every day. He's waiting for us to surrender control, not only of our tongue, but of our heart. Surrender control of our heart and our mind and all that we are. And trust him so that he can witness to our souls, so that we can witness to our family and our friends and our neighbors, so that he can pray God's perfect will for our lives, and we can intercede and pray for others. Because God has a plan and He has a purpose. I encourage you this week, if you have not received that baptism of the Holy Spirit, and you have questions, come and find me or Pastor Ashley. If you just want to pray and ask Him, you can come here now and pray and ask the Holy Spirit to baptize you. There is nothing special than what will anointing oil doesn't have any power or authority. It is as the Spirit determines that he baptizes a person with, the whole, with um, speaking in another language. So I encourage you now. We're going to um, close, and I guess I think Pastor Ashley is tied up in the nursery. <laughs> so we're going to go ahead and we're going to pray and we're going to close. And if the, the altars are open, if you want to spend time in prayer seeking that baptism, if you want to ask him, um, I'll pray with you and for you and trust that the Lord will hear your heart's cry as he desires nothing less than to empower his people with his presence. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much that Jesus, you loved us so much that you left the throne room of heaven to put on flesh and bone and to be born in a little manger to suffer and endure the growing pains of a little child and then Lord Jesus to suffer and endure the rejection of your very own people who had your promises, who had the prophecies and who should have recognized you and yet they failed to. Lord Jesus we thank you that you love us enough to pay that price. You love us enough that you not only took the rejection of humanity but you took the price of sacrificing your life. No longer is the blood of lambs required to wash away the sins of our hearts, but your blood, once and for all, cleanses us 
and makes us right with our Father. We thank you so much for that, Jesus. And we thank you that because you did this, you sent the Holy Spirit to us. And he loves us as much as you do because he is God. He desires nothing less to dwell with us every day, for us to be aware of his presence, for us to be empowered by his presence, for us to be walking boldly and confidently in your will because of how he moves in our heart and in our lives. Lord, we ask you to give us boldness and not fear as we approach your throne room. Lord, we ask that you fill us afresh and anew not depending on spirit baptism that was years ago, Lord Jesus, a once and done, because, Lord, you desire every day that we walk with you. Help us to walk with you daily. Lord, we ask you to ignite a fire in our hearts, in our minds, empower us by your Holy Spirit. Those that are seeking your spirit today, Lord Jesus, I ask for you to overflow them with your presence. Give them this language of promise that you have given us, Jesus. As they seek you with all of their heart, Lord, we know that your promises are sure and true, and that as the Spirit enables, they will speak a prayer language that you have for them. They will commune with you in a way that is intimate between only you and them, and that no one else needs to even understand, because it is you and them praying. We thank you that the Holy Spirit operates so openly and freely, and we give you permission today to operate in our lives, in our homes, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Debbie. Amen. I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit and so thankful for the initial physical evidence of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And when God said that it's not by might and it's not by power, he said it's by my spirit because there are things that we face in this life that we cannot overcome only through the power of the spirit and so we're so thankful that he prays for us and intercedes for us with groanings that can't even be understood right we're thankful for that power and that promise that we have so pastor debbie thank you for sharing that with us today friends i pray that if you're seeking for that baptism that you continue seeking earnestly seek the heart of a father that he can endue you with that power from on high because it's a promise that's for you and your children and your children's children so i encourage you to seek that but we love you be blessed and be encouraged this week have a wonderful wonderful week know that we're here for you to pray if you need prayer the altar's still open we're here to do that but be encouraged we'll see you very soon amen Thank you for listening to Victor Christian Center's audio podcast. We look forward to connecting with you on our social media or at FCCFMD.com.